Alright, uh, hello everyone. We are Whatever Is Left. Um, here with an episode for you guys tonight. This time about the prison system. I'm Hunter. I'm Matt. I'm Danny. And we are Whatever Is Left, like I just said. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so starting off, I think we're going to just take you guys from the beginning with a bunch of prison statistics. Mass incarceration statistics, whatever you want to call them. Uh, we have more prisoners in the United States than any other country in the world. Uh, 2.3 million prisoners, according to prisonpolicy.org, which is where we're getting most of these statistics from. Um, I'd like to just uh, say that that is more prisoners than even the Soviet gulags had at their peak. Um <laughs> And even they release 20 to 40% of their inmates every year. Uh, so what do you guys think about that number? 2.3 million prisoners. That, it feels like that's a city. Uh, yeah. That's I mean, a regular... It's a, it's a big city. Uh, I think it was um, over 600 uh, prisoners for every 100,000 citizens we have. Um, Prisons and military, it's the only thing we're number one in. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, and guns. Well, they have most guns. Um, but as far as, like, as the system is as, as it stands now, I feel like right now we've gotten away from what this was supposed to do, and right now it seems like we're just kind of, like, putting people places. Um, I mean, well, what is the point of a prison? It's to have a place where we can put people who aren't functional members of society or are detrimental to other people in society as a whole. Prison is to rehabilitate. That's the... Oh, the, gosh. That is the whole point of prison. That's, it has two oh, functions. The, yeah. whole, the, the, the start of it was to re- rehabilitate, to reform, and in extreme cases, that's where you get the... Um, housing those who need to be elsewhere. The, the, the distinction really comes down to victimless crimes versus victim-based crimes. Now, a small note is that that 2.3 popu- million population is almost close to the actual population of Chicago as a city. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty telling. Chicago's, what, our third most populated city in the at, country. At 2.7 million as of 2018. Yeah, um... So, Danny was talking a little bit about rehabilitation, and right now, uh, the prison system rehabilitates, definitely using air quotes, you can't really see that right now, through punishment. We're going to punish you so bad, you're not going to want to do this again. Which, by base psychology studies, there is three ways to punish somebody or to make them change their behaviors. Determinants, punishment... And negative reinforcement. And just as we can say, threatening someone with the potential of jail will not always stop them from committing a crime if they're passionate enough about doing it. But or if they think they can get out of the punishment. Yeah. It's not illegal unless you get caught. Or if you have good lawyers. No, it's still illegal, but you got caught. The point, the time it becomes illegal is when you get well, caught. Well, you seem to avoid the punishment sometimes, you the, know? The point being is that Prison as a entity 
is not fear to the level they try to make it is. Otherwise, we wouldn't have, have the population we have. But that harps back to that harps back to what I was saying about when it comes to non-victimless crimes, i.e., drug possession. Um, These are the victimless crimes. Victimless yeah. crimes, where like it's not you are not affecting someone else's life. You are just committing a crime that is viewed as a crime by the state or the federal government. Unless you're in Colorado. Is it, is it the state? Seattle. Is it the state that like legalized all drugs? I think it was Oregon. Oregon. Yeah. And not legalized. De- decriminalized. 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 Sorry. There's, there's, a there's, there's, there's a difference. There is a difference. There, there is a difference. And like from the same statistical site that Hunter mentioned earlier, uh, one fifth of the current prisons are housing people from drug-related offenses. That about almost half of those are victimless. It's more possession intent to distribute and while these are crimes for the sentence that they're giving and the duration of time they're spent in jail do not fit to what they're supposed to be doing as Danny said to rehabilitate or show them there's a better way to do things um i'd also like to add in um another layer to that statistic is that's not really cited is the fact that there's a lot of violent um stuff that goes on inside of prisons after they're already forced into the prison system. So a lot of the times they might get into fights in prison and have their um, term there extended. Sentence extended. Sentence, yes. And also, of course, not to talk, not to mention the abuse of the prisoners by the, the staff or even mistreatment by the warden personally. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Um, so uh, another thing I'd like to talk about, uh, just real quick, is... Um, there's also a lot of people that are held in jail before their conviction and court date. People that couldn't post bail. Some some people can be in jail or prison for several years before they're actually sentenced and are told they belong there or not. Yeah, due to the backlog of the court, system, the court system because of how many times things are brought to their attention that are considered a crime, but they're more of a crime of by the letter of the law versus the result of the act which again harpens back to the fact that there should not be a place to just hold malcontents who are supposed to be presumed innocent or proven guilty as he mentioned these are people who have not been tried yet these are people waiting to be determined whether or not they get their freedom and they're already losing it in some cases it's actually longer than the sentence themselves and they get time served but it still doesn't justify the the action and like another thing to note in these statistics as far as the state prisons almost a quarter of those prisons have people who are in there for issues of property which to my mind is like a waste of the taxpayers' money to have someone housed in a prison because these are state prisons that we're paying for for the sake of oh they broke something they messed something they stole something but they didn't hurt anybody they just committed a crime and I'm not saying not to punish people who commit crimes I'm saying the amount of time they're spending in jail does not feel appropriate to the crime itself uh yeah I, I feel like 
uh, we could probably rework the system there a little bit to have better have the punishment uh, suited towards the crime. Um, uh, vandalizing a um, a public place or uh, running over a sign or something like that uh, shouldn't get you any hard time. Uh, but it, it comes back. I'm, I'm sure um, in a lot of these situations where there's you know some uh, lesser damages done, uh, people can are fined for however much it would cost, maybe a little bit of extra, but that goes back to the whole thing that fines make things illegal for poor people, <laughs> and uh, rich people can just pay them and do the, uh, the crime anyway, you know? Um, Another thing that tends to make the system even worse off for those who are less fortunate is due to the nature of our system as a is, as it is, if you're brought in for a crime and you don't have the money to buy a lawyer or to have one you're stuck with a public defender as your constitutional right but the overall overall workload of a public defender means even though they might have their best interest to help you just through sheer numbers you might not get the best possible uh defense because then you may have or may not have done the point being is because there's such a backlog, because there's so many things that go through the courts for things that are relatively a waste of time, it's another disadvantage of the already non-enfranchised people. Also, I want this to be note noted that your public defender is not free. You still have to pay for it. There's like your application fee and whether or not you get approved from there, there are some fees involved in your public defender. So one will be provided at you to you, but you still gotta pay some of it. Which is another obstacle for poor people. Um, just uh, people can't catch a break. Um, so let's talk a bit about uh, private prisons. Yeah, I, that is the proper response. Uh, they they really should not exist. I wholeheartedly agree. So. Danny, as if someone spends their hard-earned money to buy or build a prison, is it unethical for them to have inmates sent there and continue to make money off of the inmates that are sent there? <laughs> All right. <laughs> you guys can't see the look she's giving me, but I had a lengthy conversation with her about landlords earlier. So uh, check out next week's episode on us fighting about oh, landlords. Should be spicy. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, but let's go to the fact <laughs> that private prisons are not run by the state; they are run by a corporation, and that corporation's end goal is to profit from anything they deal in. In order for them to make money as a private prison, they're given a stipend from the government. Okay, so I stopped Matt real quick because I I have a whole ass rant on this. Can you pause it? No, oh. no, I, 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 like, I put my hand up to pause you. Well, diving uh, into the private prisons. So, uh, private prisons um, actually pay judges to send convictions over their way. So judges can actually choose where to send a convicted felon, mm -hmm. um, and they can pay a judge to be like, hey, you put butts in the, the seats, we pay you. Um, and if your state does not fill in those gaps, it will get fined. In private private prisons have been notorious for finding 
uh, states to keep people in so that elongates the possibility of parole. Um, it means higher arrest rates and higher conviction rates because most states can't afford those fines. You, they need to be at a like 93% capacity, I think, or 97. I know it's like an odd number for the state not to get fined. That's ridiculous. Yeah. They, they are fining the states for not convicting enough people and keeping them in prison. And people who are in a privatized prison are more likely to spend longer terms and extended terms than a state-run prison for that reason. Because the more people in your prison, the more money you make. And also, it's good to note is that on average, a prison can offer services to the government and charge about 150 per day per occupant or prisoner. That's a lot of money. I mean, just, think about that. Just in a week, the government is basically paying this prison about 300 for two days. So for four is five, five is $750 for five days just to hold a single person. They're like the landlord for the government. Ugh. And the thing about this system is I don't understand the need to privatize rehabilitation and punishment. The idea was it was supposed to save the government money, but it actually ends up being more expensive to have private prisons than it is to have state-run prisons. Um, nice job, Republicans. We, we have about 9% of the country's prison population in private prisons, uh, which is about 207,000 prisoners are in the private prisons. I can not imagine doing the math for how many that much money that is per day. In fact, I will be doing that as we continue moving forward. <laughs> well, just uh, do that times the 150. Yeah, it was uh, 200 and what? 207,000. Um, but yeah, so th that's absolutely awful. $31 um, million dollars a year. Oh. oh. And that's if we keep the population we are at now. Uh, I think that was probably way, way higher than that because that was... Um, 2018? No, no, no. Uh, you took um, the number of people who are in prison at times one times one one fifty. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. That's just the cost. That's a day. A day. That's so, thirty one oh, million a oh, day. Oh, oh, counting for the year, we're looking at eleven billion. Yeah, that's a that's a bit more accurate. You know, eleven uh, billion. Gross. Eleven billion dollars to hold people. We're not even talking for the cost of like heat or construction. Any of that. We're talking just housing them. And they have an additional profit margin on top of that, which comes from the labor of the inmates. Let's, let's not even talk about the labor of the inmates. Let's talk about the stuff that they charge the inmates. They will charge you to call your family, to FaceTime your family. They'll charge you for tissues, tampons, toilet paper, Toothbrushes, toothpaste. They Why charge you for everything. The, the prisoners, when they didn't ask to be there in the first place. They charge you for everything. You get three square meals a day and a shower. Considering your 150 bucks uh, per day that the government's paying for you to be there should already cover all of that it and covers, some. It covers your food and your bedding and your shower. That's not your shower shoes, what you need, because if you've ever been to college, you know how gross public showers are. Yeah, anyway, that's pretty obscene. Um, 
So the, the labor is also a big thing, too. You have a lot of people in the prison system who are working for somewhere between 86 cents and like maybe a buck 50 tops, probably less than that a day. Uh, there are several states where they are not obligated to pay prison workers anything at all. Um, so prison labor is cheap, and that's um, a good place for them to make some extra money while keeping the prisoners busy. I would like to state that um, only about 6% of prisoners in the whole country are part of these sorts of work programs, so that's a very small number. So you have to think most of them are just sort of in the prisons. They don't get to go out, but even when they do get to go out and work, they're not making a whole lot of money. And most of the profit, if there is any profit, is going back into the system. Uh, which is messed up. Um, obviously, prisoners are no different than any other working person, and they should be compensated for their labor uh, fairly and well. Um, not through legalized slavery. <laughs> not through legalized <laughs> slavery. And that's not really... Um, hyperbole. Hyperbole, yeah, it's, it's not. Uh, it's basically the only kind of slavery that's still legal in this country is through the prison system. Which I never understood. Why did we... If you don't... Because the worst part is that if they get out of prison and they try to work the jobs they were given in prison, they're not allowed to have those jobs. Because they're ex-cons. That leads us to California. Does lead us to California. And and actually, I think Seattle is the same way. Is they will ha- they will have prisoners work, and fight fires and be out there and put their lives at risk. And then once they get out, it's illegal for them to work that job, that training that they just spent so long in. They can't work in those jobs because it is. The first rule is that you can't be a convicted felon. Uh, that's why it's so significant. The governor of California um, and the state over there, they just, I think they recently just made legislation to make it so that these firefighters can get jobs uh, as firefighters when they're out of prison. And I think Florida tried to give the ex-prisoners right to vote, but I think it failed. No, 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 it, it succeeded. Um, so it succeeded, but then they tried to make it so that they had to have all their fees paid off. And so someone paid it off. Like a, Michael but, Bloomberg paid most of them off. And then got in trouble saying that he couldn't do that because they didn't want prisoners to vote because they knew if prisoners could vote, it might switch. They're likely to vote Democrat. It's going to switch the part of the, it's state. a swing state. It's so, the fact that giving a whole demographic of people a right to vote make means that someone else is going to win means that this is voter suppression as well. And also, it's it really shows you just how, I guess, divided we are as a country with the point where the population was, what, 2.3 million people? Let's say you average that across the country. That's maybe like an extra, what, 10,000 people per state? And it's, like, that close? Yeah. Um, the voter suppression is, is pretty serious, and that's definitely something that we can talk about later when we um, go deeper into reforms that we'd like to see within the system. But as far as prisons are concerned, we agree that when it comes to private prisons, their existence their, and needs to be undone 
and there's no need to privatize a punishment. Yeah, wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, as you can see, we we are in agreement that we hate private prisons. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so let's um let's talk a bit more about uh, the voting rights for the prisoners. Um, so, what is the current situation with prisoners, and why can't um, they they vote? I know in some states they can't. Like Pennsylvania allows. Uh, once you're out, you can vote. I, I'm a proponent of having um, current and former inmates being able to vote. Uh, I, I mean, they they are, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to say that they're free because, I mean, they're in prison. Uh, but, according, uh, according to the NCLA, which is the National Conference of State Legislators, felony voting rights, as, as they are right now, shows that... In D.C., Maine, and Vermont, felons never lose the right to vote, even when they're incarcerated. <laughs> 16 states felons lose the right voting rights only while incarcerated and receive automatic restoration upon release. However, in 21 states, felons lose their voting rights during incarceration and for a period of time afterward, typically while on parole or probation, which usually leaves people forgetting that they can vote again because paroles can be up to, like, three to five years for giving oh, them a crime. That's if you don't break them, you know. Yeah, because, okay. like, you know how people who are ex-cons are now given certain habits they develop in jail and things that are typically frowned upon that they think is normal leads them down a downward spiral and they can just keep losing them. And their voting rights are eventually restored after the time period, but former felons may also to pay fees for fines or restitution for the rights are restored as well. And the last bit of notion on this is that 11 states felons lose their rights indefinitely for certain crimes or require a governor's pardon in order to restore them, facing an additional waiting period after completion of a sentence, including parole probation, or require an additional action before voting can be restored. These states are actually listed for those who want to know. They are Arizona, Delaware, Alabama, Florida, as of this current uh, information was posted in 2020 of this year in October, Iowa, Kentucky, Mississippi, Nebraska, Tennessee, Virginia, and Wyoming. These are for certain crimes that you can lose your voting rights. Indefinitely until you receive a governor pardon or... Or do other actions required. That is absolutely insane. And I want you to think about where do these states line up on the political color? As I stated, Alabama, Arizona, Florida, Iowa. We can't say that about Arizona right now. They turned blue, I thought, I think. Kentucky, Mississippi, Nebraska, Tennessee, Virginia, and Wyoming. The only blue state on this list is Delaware. Virginia's a blue state now. No, no, they, 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 they stayed that way uh, for the past couple of elections, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, um, lots of uh, formerly Republican states or current Republican states. Uh, do with that information what you will. Um, and just to piggyback on that, here's are the states where after incarceration your rights are automatically restored: Colorado, Hawaii. Illinois, Indiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Montana, 
Nevada, New Jersey, New Hampshire, North Dakota, Ohio, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, and Utah. So uh, these states are obviously better than the other ones, but they still have a long way to go before they reach, like, D.C., where you can vote even in prison. Um, now, is that an absentee ballot vote, or is that they have a polling area? I'm sure they would have a polling area in the prison. That would make sense to me. I, I think know. it's going to be more of a... Like, it makes more sense that it's an absentee ballot. We'll have to look into that, but let's go with the notion that it's an absentee ballot. That, But so that change change back that even for a crime, in the place that is the hub of our nation's politics, you still get to vote as prisoner. So if you can still vote in the heart of American politics, why do we lose it in other places? Wholeheartedly agree. Um, another thing that we should get rid of are the have you ever been to prison or convicted of a crime on a job applications. You've already served your time. Why should you get punished again for not being able for for the worst decision you've made? And you're like, think about it. Like these are people who just made a bad decision and got caught. Like, I I think there's a certain point where it's acceptable to know what kind of person someone is. Yeah, I'm not. If someone's been convicted of murder. I, I think that that might that should probably follow them around for the rest of their lives. And in most cases, it will because at that point, that's going to be a huge gap, in, and you're going to have to explain that huge gap in your resume. Like, oh, I went to prison for murder. You're not. You're more than likely not going to get hired many places. What I think needs to be done is when you ask if you're convicted of a crime, it has to be a crime related to the job you're trying to apply for. For example, if you're trying to work in like white collar America. On your application, it should be, have you been ever convicted of embezzling, blackmail, racketeering, things of that nature? Because if you... You'll still get hired. Huh? You'll still get hired. But regardless of their moral... uh, No, 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 I'm not talking about the moral standings on it. I'm just talking about the type of crime it is. A white-collar crime is looked at better than a blue-collar crime. Yes, but what I'm trying to get to is the point that if they were, like, convicted of, like, say, drug possession or jaywalking, etc., that doesn't impact your job. That doesn't impact your skill sets for wherever it is you're trying to apply in that particular field. So what we're saying is, the questions that they should be asking is not, have you ever been to prison or been convicted of a crime? It should be, have you ever killed a man or maimed someone, caused them uh, (sighs) violent bodily harm, or uh, maybe um, embezzlement? I'm saying don't ask the question at all. Larceny. Personally, I mean, I want to know if my coworker is a murderer. I'm not saying that. Like, you still can do a background check, but I'm just saying that should not be the thing that stops for an employer from calling you for an interview. What I'm okay. I what I'm saying is, I agree that maybe the question instead of "Have you been convicted of a crime?" I don't think it should, should be, on the, be changed. I don't think it should be on the application whatsoever. So I, I mean. You're really putting like the the onus on the on the employer to perform the background check. Why shouldn't I? Like, okay, so I'm just saying that I don't want someone who's gone to jail or prison to be turned down from a job without even getting an interview and explaining what happened because things happen, life happens. They, until you are in front of that person, you can't actually talk about what happened. 
manslaughter and murder are awfully close together. One is just situational. Or you getting you getting a manslaughter claim because you like you were drinking and driving is more is worse to me than you accidentally you know so, some the gun went off in your hand and you accidentally killed someone. He Both of them. but like those two situations are both manslaughter one's more one's a bit better not saying that either of them are good but i'm just saying one's an accident one you made an active choice to go drinking and then drove i i feel like i hire the person who accidentally shot someone versus the person who killed someone because he was drinking i don't know if i would bring in someone who's been convicted for murder into a job interview i don't want to be the person who brings them in and then tells them they can't get a job. Uh, I think what also needs to be put as far as... I understand the, like, both the arguments right here when it comes to, like, there should be some <laughs> level of understanding of who you're dealing with. My hill that I'm talking about is when it comes to situations where you have, like, PBJs or, or which is probation for judgment in which you haven't actually been formally convicted or put away for a crime, and thus you are actively engaging as being a good Samaritan, a good citizen, but that can still show up on a background check. That should not be something against you while you're actively trying to stay out of trouble. Yeah, it's like, I I don't care if the person who's coming to me looking for a job has been caught with drugs on them or whatever. That's perfectly fine, but I want to know if they've been a landlord in their lifetime. I mean, come on. Uh... (laughs) <laughs> so you guys get the point um i say no box i say no question i say leave it to the interview because their qualifications might outweigh their conviction this isn't a hill i plan on dying this is a this is a hill i plan uh, on dying on we know i mean it's a plan it's a hill that i could die on if the murderer comes in and i don't give them the job but again uh, but hey you know that's a niche situation uh, <laughs> how often are you getting that i don't know Okay, you work at a restaurant. Murderers aren't coming to work at a restaurant. What other jobs are they going to get? Construction, like every other murderer. But think, okay, let's, no, let's, 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 think, let's think about that for a second. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> that's a joke? Don't uh, take offense. Wow. Well, no, 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 don't take offense to it. I'm simply pointing out that this brings up brings to light the other issue along this level of thought in that these prisoners are ex-cons now as they've been released are now lumped into a box of what they can and can't do. Hold up. Just because of a box. Just because of a box that have you been convicted of a crime. The box being not that have you been convicted of a crime or not, is that what are they trusted to do now? Grunt work. Also, if you want to... That's so fair. Um, ben and Jerry's hires convicted felons all the time. Really great ice cream. Little side, it's just one of those places that will hire you even with a felony conviction. A little pricey, but unique flavors. It's a little this pricey. It's not sponsored. Please it's, sponsor us. <laughs> please sponsor us. But no, the the reason I bring it up is that's part of the reason it's pricey. They use better quality, these better materials. They pay their workers well. Plus, they give people a second chance because the one of the Ben or Jerry, I can't remember one of the two, was actually an ex-criminal. Like he got out of prison. And look at him. He runs a company with delicious and uh, funny ice creams. I'm like, please sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> <A> shameless cash grab. <laughs> um. <laughs> but no, 
like it, but that's once I learned that that's now the ice cream I always try and get because I know I'm supporting a business that supports people. Once like, unless I'm really strapped for cash and really want ice cream, I almost always go for Ben and Jerry's now. Yeah, they're a bit more expensive, but at least I know I'm supporting a company that supports people. So, uh, you guys have anything else to add to this particular topic? As far as impact on jobs, just, I recognize you need to do your due diligence, but crimes that don't involve the actual job should not, should have a distinction on the resume or the application itself. Also, they're based in Vermont. Are you interacting with other human beings? Are you going to murder them? Have you murdered them before? Uh, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> um, all right. So uh, I'd like to go back a little bit to the fines make things illegal for poor people. Uh, you know, it, it's really just mind-opening when you, when you think about it. Like... Okay, I parked my car in the literal middle of the street, blocking all traffic that's coming through. Uh, someone might, you know, call and get it towed. I'm rich. That's not a problem for me. You're Jeff Bezos. You can go ahead and get your car in lot, or just be like, eh, I don't want it anymore. You can keep it and then buy another car. Or go over there and buy the impound lot, buy the tow company, and, and just move on with your day like nothing happened because nothing did happen. Um, but let's say someone like us were to accidentally park in the handicapped spot or like in a spot that is reserved. We get that $140 ticket. That's me looking at my grocery bill trying to figure out, do I pay this ticket or do I buy groceries this week? They should be made proportional to the income of those who are committing these finable offenses like countries like Denmark and um, we also wrote it down, I believe it was Finland, uh, actually will go about the business and when they look in your license registration, they can see what your like job is, not your network. You're not invading your privacy for those who are really strict about, I want to know who knows about my information. They're simply understanding where do you work and then can proportionalize your fee to that because instead of having a blank state like a speeding ticket around here could range from like eighty dollars to maybe five hundred dollars and like she danny said that could impact just trying to buy daily necessities for a month um sorry go ahead oh uh i was gonna go into a personal story so if you have something you'd like to add to that quick yeah um also for people who are like I don't want them to go into my, like, this is the federal government at this point. They know everything. The IRS has your cash. Uh, you're already registered for for your car and your license. Like, things like these, when people are just like, I don't want them knowing anything. Like, you're already complying with the laws. You're already complying. They already know everything about you. You're being excessive. So just wear your goddamn mask is the point. Little uh, side note. Right. Uh, so my, my personal story that I was going to go into is um sometimes it's not even like uh legal fees as much but just how there are certain things that are different for poor people than rich people like the terms of what they have to deal with and how uh, a small amount of money can just really ruin someone's life uh it was a good number of years ago my car broke down on the side of the road in the middle of the night um these people had it towed 
uh, quite a ways away. Um, and I was unemployed at the time, and I didn't have enough money to get my car back. I eventually had to sign over the title of my car to the tow company, and I obviously didn't get it back. I was not compensated for it. That was just my money down the drain because every day that it was there, it was even more and more expensive to get back. So, like, these kinds of things were... It, it just impacts people's lives differently. Um, so, definitely... Of course, that was, like, a private business compared to, like, a, a state fine, a government sort of thing. But it's just the, the way that... Um, even small amounts of money in certain situations can really make or break someone. It's just really impactful. Um, so I, I think that doing things the way that um, that country was, Sweden? It was Finland and Finland. Denmark. It's Finland and Denmark. Mo- most Scandinavian. <laughs> yeah, Scandinavian uh, Country. countries have fines based on income. That would be a game changer. Yeah, because Finland uh, had a, a businessman get a hundred and three thousand dollar speeding ticket he was going 65 in a 50 almost 65 in a 50 he got that high of a ticket and and you know republicans right now are probably like feeling internal damage from that but yeah think about about that income though he's probably making that probably was like 10 bucks for him 6.5 million per year that was about 10 bucks for him so that if he feels it more like him feeling that hundred and $3,000 speeding ticket is like us getting a $103 speeding ticket. We're going to feel it, and it's going to suck. So another thing, uh, when we go to um, how crimes are different for poor people compared to rich people. um, Contempt. Contempt of court or failure to pay something puts you in jail. Yeah. And therefore, now, you still can't pay what you were put in jail for, thus leading to a cycle of what was the purpose of putting me in jail in the first place. That is a poor person crime right there, not being able to pay a fine. Or, like I said, the difference between a white-collar crime and a blue-collar crime. You were talking about embezzlement and everything. It's like You're still going to be able to get a job after committing a white-collar crime. Martha Stewart... Is still pretty famous. She's still making money, and she went to prison for like what a year and a half. I don't. I don't think she even built. That's all I think. She didn't do her whole sentence. She got out at a luxury like prison cell. Prison cell. She got out for appearances, for guest appearances, not even for like things that pertained to her job. She did insider trading, got a luxury suite at a white collar prison, and still got to leave. Uh, the people I'm even more mad about than Martha Stewart, who I'm not super mad about, uh, unlike the grand scheme of things, are like the people who caused the 2008 uh, financial crisis, uh, and how in this country nobody went to jail for ruining the country's economy, making God knows how many people um, foreclose on their homes. Uh, and so many people's, like, entire livelihood that was, uh... Flushed down the drain? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, my uncle's parents had, like, over a million dollars worth of stocks in one of those big banks that, like, Crash. went... Yeah, all of that, gone. Um, 
Now, I could be an ass right now and say something. Uh, I mean, I don't particularly care uh, about that. It, it is um, money that was accumulated through the exploitation of others. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, if you, if you, if the stock market, if the crash in 2008 was uh, affected you so hard, maybe you shouldn't have been invested in stocks and the housing market. Like you said, that Well, people class... who were getting their own homes and paying their own mortgages for the homes that they were living in were losing them, too. Uh, but we could talk about that if you want to, Danny. Um, so, this is, <laughs> we should cut, so we should cut this out. Maybe we shouldn't. Uh, <laughs> we should cut this so whole part out. What I was trying to say look like is ass. that in Iceland, they actually put the bankers in jail, which is nice. Why can't we be like Iceland to put bankers in jail? Because America and capitalism. Because capitalism. Okay. Um, you are capitalists without capital. Correct. Uh, go to Gulag. Do not pass. Go. Do not collect $200. Um, so. All right. Uh, anything else about crimes for poor people compared to crimes for rich people? Why are people given fines or fees to pay for losing? Like, you go to court and, like, you try to plead your case, etc. And you could, and if you lose, you still have fines to pay, despite going to jail. You are going to jail. Yeah, because judges just sit back and collect money also. And it's, it's absolutely absurd. Um... I don't know quite enough about how judges make their money and how corrupt judges can be to go on a rant about that specifically, but I know it's a thing and it still makes me upset. Uh, <laughs> it's not corruption if it's legal. It's the, the, still what? corruption. No, no, corruption implies that it is an illegal act. It's a morally... It's a morally... Where are you going with this? A morally corrupt... Yeah, it's not, but you're not really corrupt as a politician. Like, corruption implies that you are doing something illegally and, like, behind the backs of, like, the public. Judges can do it in your face. It, it's not right, but it's not corrupt. Judges also go to the gulag. Um, I mean, rule number one, kill all the lawyers. Hey, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, we're going to pause that last one. That, that's literally the first rule. Uh, so, all right, uh, we, we've talked a bit about some of the problems, um, that exist as far as crime and punishment goes. Uh, but let's talk about how people's lives are when they get out. Let's talk about criminal rehabilitation programs, um, uh, work release, um, Stuff like that. What do you guys got? I don't know the, specific, the specifics of certain states that have this, but I know that there are states that allow people to work off their sentence and still maintain a daily life by having them go through their normal week, working, living their lives, but then on the weekends going to jail for a set amount of time, months, years to serve a sentence. Therefore, they're still being able to contribute to both society and their loved ones while also paying their debt to society. And I feel like for those crimes that I keep harping on that are victimless, this should be the 
first avenue we take for them because why clutter to the system with all these people who have done relatively nothing to anyone else and just bogged down the the amount of taxes we're paying for them just to be in a prison. Because at the end of the day, we're paying for them to be there. Anyone in a state prison, we are paying for their upkeep. And that is a waste of taxpayer money for Republicans like to go on and on about. Yeah. Um, so, the criminal rehabilitation in this country is a joke. Um, it's not a funny joke either. So, w- within three years of being released from prison, which already feels like a dream to a lot of people, uh, 51% of drug offenders, 50% of public order offenders, 45% of property offenders, um, and 25% of violent crime offenders are rearrested for similar offenses within three years of being released. Uh, so it's like flipping a coin for a lot of these people as to whether they're going to go right back into the system or not. And I think that goes back to the sorts of uh, boxes that are sort of laid out for uh, criminals after they get out of jail. Um, the kinds of jobs that they can get, the opportunities that are available to them. Uh, sometimes they might not have any other option than to resort back to doing crime. Um, that's how they got by in the first place. Uh, so that is just the numbers really speak for themselves there. Which, um, which is part of the reason why I say get rid of the box because the 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 whole having been convicted of of crime because it makes it a lot harder for them to get jobs to get a place to stay to stay off the streets to to have a high recidivism rate recidivism rate which what we need is we not only need to set them up for success while they're in prison so education job training things like that that's how you set up prisoners to not come back but our system isn't set up to reform it's set up so that people do come back because we're making money on the backs of prisoners that is another very good point um so let's um wrap this up to a certain point by talking about prison reform things that we would like to see changed about the system about the laws that bring people into the system everything well i think a big part is we um it's not as simple as just changing the prison we need to change the system that led them to go to prison so the school to prison pipeline the problem isn't starting at prison or just you know things like that we need to start where the issues start in these homes, in these families, we need to make sure that there's support in those communities. And that cop, like community policing, not only just reduces the amount of crime, but it helps people out who are in those top, uh, tough positions. So the idea with community policing is the same cop is always in that area. It's the same person. You get to grow those relationships. Not only do you get to grow the relationship with your, your local police officer, you have, so you trust them a little bit better. So when something does happen, you're like, I ain't no snitch. Uh, 
I ain't seen nothing. I know nothing. Yes, I've but, said this during the prison, the police one that I've seen yeah, as well. Uh, but like, there's yeah, the Black Lives Matter episode. But there's also the whole, I, I'm in a tough spot. Instead of me going out and doing something, that I know this cop that I've built this relationship is going to be disappointed in me for. We're going to sit there and we're going to be like, okay, I need help, and then the system is helping the person not go back to jail, and also, or go to jail. And also, I think that when it comes to the issues of our drug-related offenses, addictions, things of that nature, rehabilitation, like actual rehab, should be an avenue that's taken. Because from what I've been told is that it's not until about your third to fifth offense before they start to consider rehab for you, despite them knowing that you are an addict or struggling addict and you are usually doing these things because of the effect the drugs have had on your body. And your mind. The thing is, though, it is not illegal to be an addict. So if you have track marks or you are high, unless they can prove it in that moment, they cannot, uh, or like they arrest you and you get tested, they can't really arrest you for like track marks and things like that or acting high. But if they catch you shooting up or they arrest you for something else and then they find, that's when they can add those fines onto it. So it's a drug addiction is a weird area, but they should, rather than arresting, rehab there's different paths that's why we need social workers it's we need a different system we that's where the whole disconnect i'm trying to determine if i want to say this or not fuck it i'm gonna say um that's where the whole defund the police idea comes from you're not take you're not getting rid of the police you are reallocating supplies to other areas social work uh, community building child care welfare food banks things like that things that will help those communities in which the high where there's high rates of crime uh yeah most definitely um ending the drug war and other dumb crimes is, is huge. So making things that people go to jail for now not crimes in the first place and making sure that this one-fifth of the prison population that ended up there for uh, drug-related crimes don't end up there in the first place. And as we make things, um, uh, drugs decriminalized, get these people out of the system. But you can't just do that because, as we see, that doesn't really work. Half of them will end up going back. Uh, well, I guess they couldn't go back for repeat offenses. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily fix their problems. They need... Um, support. 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 They need to be given an opportunity to um, meld back into society. Uh, they need to be able to find jobs. They need to be able to have a roof over their heads, transportation. They need that little bit of a um, a kickstart, you know, to become a functional member of society again. And we are not doing enough for them as it stands. Also, we need to uh, understand that if we were to change things, that just... We realize that we're not asking for you to be okay with saying a overflow of people currently in prison being 
led back into society and that will cause some kind of destabilization. No, that's all hyperbole. What we're asking for is let these people come back into our society to be helpful members of society because one mistake does not determine who you are for the rest of your life. Also, when there are still people in jail for marijuana possessions, but we're considering weed an essential business in quarantine, there's a true disconnect in our society. Certainly. Also, uh, we've said it before, but I am definitely not afraid to say it again. Abolish private prisons. Abolish get, private prisons. Get rid of private prisons. Uh, for the almost one-tenth of uh, prisoners who are in private prisons in this country, um, that would be pretty significant. Um, also save the taxpayers a little bit of money. Um, Think about it. If we decriminalize dr- uh, some of the drugs, that means we're not arresting as many people, which saves taxpayers money, which, and when we're not sending people to jail and we are, you know, building that back up, they're going to start working and that puts money back into the economy. So look at that, it actually makes the money for the society. And not having to keep these private prisons at 97% capacity or something absurd like that. Um, also, let them use the skills that they were given the opportunity to learn back in the real world. And pay them. <laughs> Just pay them. Just pay the prisoners. They can't go anywhere. They're already serving their time. They're learning how to become a better member of society. They're learning skills that will help them do this. Pay them while they're doing it so that when they do get out of prison, they might have a little bit of a cushion to stand up on. Heck, some of that could go on straight to their family, which is probably half the reason yeah. they're in jail in the first place. Yeah, huge. Also, so the, part of the problem is sometimes companies that train prisoners aren't actually training them. They're giving them, like, two hours worth of lessons and then teaching them. Like, no, we need proper companies going in and teaching them. Because that's a tax... I'm pretty sure that's a tax write-off for those companies. We it need... surprise me. We need... Because it's a volunteer... Uh, we need to teach them properly with good companies. And then those companies can later... They've already trained the employees. That company can just be like, oh, okay, we'll take you now. Like, you'll be a full-time employee... That's no money on training because the biggest the biggest cost in companies is training. Um, also huge, let the prisoners vote. They are citizens of this country, and whoever is in charge of running the country certainly has an effect on their well-being and their livelihood and the livelihood of their families. So why should their opinions and their votes count less than everyone else's? Let them vote. Um, and certainly, I don't even know why this is debatable, let them vote after they're out. There, I can't think of literally any good reason as to why someone who's out of prison shouldn't be able to vote. I used to be anti-prisoners voting when I was young, dumb. Um, Shut up. I, I'm not, I'm not going to, uh, you know, make fun of you for this. I just want to know why you thought that. It would I don't happen. know. I, I There was a time, and I think it was just, my upbringing that was like your dad <laughs> my republican father my republican hispanic Back. father who came here illegally oh i i just look at him sometimes and it's, it's like it's just it's just hispanic uncle russ um but but he like r- voting is all right that's not even a privilege. I think it was that whole idea that voting was a privilege, but, like, no. no. It's a right. It's, right. it's literally written in there. Like, 
And if we're going to tax them while they're in prison, they should get a right to vote because we, we fought like a whole ass war about it. Sorry. We fought a whole war about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, expunging uh, people's criminal records after a certain amount of time. There's a lot of places that will do this already, especially for like minor crimes Things like drug charges, DUI, stuff like that. Over a certain amount of time, those will uh, be wiped off of someone's record. Um, I think there should be more clear rules on how that works. Um, maybe not be a case-to-case situation, but after certain crimes, after a certain amount of time, they just go. And let everyone know about it rather than just, you know, rich people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and... Uh, Lastly, that I have to add to this, uh, Danny commented a bit on it earlier, but therapy and social work uh, compared to policing will not only help um, stop uh, such a heavy flow of criminals from going in uh, for problems that aren't things that the police should be dealing with, because uh, what are the police trained to do other than shoot people and arrest people? Um, <laughs> But also therapy and social work to help people who are coming out of the system who might need a little bit of help uh, readjusting. It it could be huge. It could be huge. We need to start setting people up for success and wanting them to contribute to society rather than watching them fail over and over again because we think they're less than us. They're just a human who made a bad mistake. Um, just spitball in here, but maybe, um, special kinds of, uh, small business loans and grants for, um, former criminals. So I think if it's illegal for someone who's been convicted of a crime to own a marijuana business, but if you're convicted of... Oh, come on. <laughs> America, though. Are we really surprised that that's the case? I don't uh, know for a fact. It wouldn't surprise me. I think, I think that's... Uh, if that's true, then that's it, it's, it's obscene. Uh, it should not be a thing. Uh, ooh, but we, we could talk about marijuana on another episode. Um, Probably like a few weeks from now. Yeah, just somewhere down the line. Uh, do we have anything else we'd like to add? This has been a fruitful conversation, maybe a little bit on the shorter side compared to some of our other episodes. Yeah, we, we agreed mainly on this. And we just trying to let people know this is exactly what the problem is, not what they think the problem is. Yeah, I mean, if you guys want to hear us argue, uh, tune in to next week's episode. (laughs) There's a lot lot of lords moving over in the future. Um, There is one thing. What's that? Accessibility of said, like, in some cases, prisons, like, there's only one in one area, and that's a 10-hour drive. So let's say, like, Matt goes to jail, his... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, the, the black guy in the group goes to jail. All right. Don't be your father. <laughs> Ooh. He is racist. Um, no, so let's say you do go to jail and, like, the nearest prison is 10 hours away. Like, that's that's hard on families. We need to be able to make it easier. Because if you know that you have that family on the other side, it makes it easier for people to not get in trouble while they're in jail. And it makes it easier to stay out of prison. Um, I think a lot of that comes down to the judges being able to send people wherever they want to. Uh, the difference between, like, local jails or even county jails and then, like, state prisons 
because the, um, the prison population is, you know, pretty split amongst different kinds of regional jails. Mm-hmm. And there's federal prisons, which has a small chunk of people. But, yeah, uh, making it easier to have people visit, um, that's important. I realized that we just forgot, like, a whole section of, like, that's important to talk about is women and women in prison. And uh, as a woman, I feel bad for forgetting about it. Uh, I don't think... Talk about it. Go ahead. You're... So, okay, there are a few things. Like, let's say you're pregnant as a woman and you're giving birth. You're tied down. While you're in prison, like, while you're giving birth, you are still handcuffed. That is actually bad for your health, bad for the uh, baby's health. And, like, because imagine having to give birth to a human... And, but not being able to grab onto something, actually squeeze and like have that full flexibility of giving birth. And many like many women have like scars or like it, their hands are red and like messed up afterwards from where the sh- shingles were. Like doctors fight for them not, and like a lot of they're not getting funded enough. So when you're pregnant, you have you need to intake more calories. So what they do is they do these pregnancy shakes, but don't give enough for all the women that they have in the prison. So you have to, the doctors have to decide which pregnant lady gets it today. So let's say you have nine pregnant women, but only seven shakes. You're kind of screwed there. And healthcare in prison is another thing. Also, is it, is it now out of, I know this used to be true back in the 80s and 70s, but is there still like, the sexual misconduct in female prisons as far as the staff is concerned? No, because it is illegal for a guard. Like, even if it's consensual, it is not. Because when you're in prison, you are... Position of power. A position of power, and it's considered illegal for a inmate and a guard. The inmate won't receive anything from it, like... But the guard will get arrested and will get tried for rape. Really? Yeah. Because it's rape. It's considered rape. Yeah, it's the majority thing. Yeah, because you, you cannot consent as a prisoner. So let's say, like, a male prisoner has sex with a nurse, a female nurse. She will go get arrested for rape. It's happened. The lawyer in me just had a whole conviction yeah, uh, with that. Sexual but, misconduct. That's for another day. Because prisons mm, is generally a problem. Uh, a lot uh, of rape happens in uh, prisons. I know that, but, like, that... just... Uh, uh, All right, we broke Matt. Apparently, that, that, that's something. well because they can't consent, and if you if it if it's not consensual, it's free. You, you can't. No, you cannot. As a prisoner, you are you cannot consent. You do not have the ability to consent. Like it's like a child consenting. It's the same idea. It is the same concept because you are in a position where you cannot really like say no. Is that true though? Like you could say no. Yes, I'm saying there's consequences as far as like you could be. It's hurt. the same concept. I'm not saying it's identical. It's the same like train of thought. Like, that's a that's a Because you, you are in jail, you do not have the ability to consent. Now, if they were to meet outside of jail, like after she gets released, and they start something, that's a, I mean, Damn, it's will. not okay, but it's okay. Um. But if she is in prison or he is in prison and they start a relationship, relationship it is considered illegal and it is considered rape. Yeah, pretty pretty intense. Because um, sometimes it happens the opposite way. So more, more times than not, it's a male 
in a female situation, like a male prisoner, female guard or mm-hmm. nurse or something. Mm-hmm. In most cases. You learn something new every day. Yeah, I thought that was common knowledge. Yeah. Um, hey, I watched way too, yes. <laughs> too much All right, TV. Uh, so, yes, obviously, um, people in prison deserve better health care. That is certainly a thing also. Um, and uh, sexual misconduct in prisons should be looked at even more heavily than it is now. Um, more more reforms. We need to turn down the system and rebuild it. Sounds pretty good to me. No gulag required. Well, uh, yeah, gulag I mean, required. Wait for the landlords. <laughs> we'll see you next week. All right, we uh, have this. Uh, this has been fight. Whatever century. is left. I hate you guys. I'm Hunter. <laughs> I'm Matt. I hate them both. I'm Danny. Kill one of us. <laughs> uh, thanks for tuning in. See you next week. <laughs>